Well, my name is Kyle, and I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here, and I'm thankful that you've joined us today. We're in our third week of a series called Anxious About Nothing, and as you see, uh, we've crossed out the every, and we're attempting to move from being anxious about everything to being anxious about nothing, and we've talked about how difficult that journey can be. And just to be honest, uh, I've been anxious about this week. Uh, so I've been anxious about talking about not being anxious, and, and that's, that's difficult, right? Um, this week is a tough one. Uh, this week is probably the one, as I had planned this series, uh, that I knew was... Yeah, my anxiety's kicking in. Um, okay, here we go. This is the one, as I planned the series that I knew this was going to be hard. And so even this week, it's just been difficult. Last night, it was hard. I was sitting downstairs, and it was late, and Heather came down. and was like, you okay? I was like, I'm not, all right? I'm not okay. I'm, uh, I'm anxious. I'm anxious about today. And we're going to talk about peace. Um, we're going to talk about the part in this scripture where, where Paul talks about finding peace. Uh, peace, uh, this time without fights or wars, the definition, uh, says a Without any fights or wars, in a large sense, peace or peacefulness can mean a state of harmony, quiet or calm, that is not disturbed by anything at all. It says, it's like a still pond with no ripples. That's the definition of peace. And as I began to think about that, I'm like, man, that feels like those, those moments are few and far between. Uh, no disturbance, a pond with no ripples. Um, my thought is that possible? Is it possible to live really at peace or to know the peace of God? If you don't own a Bible, um, there's a red one around you somewhere. That's our gift to you. Please take that. I'm going to read our scripture that we've been looking at. This is a guy named Paul who is writing this to a group of followers of Jesus. Uh, Paul talks about his own journey but really gives instructions to other people from his own experiences how to be in relationship with people, but how to be in relationship with God. And he's not writing this from a place of comfort. We talked about this last week. Um, his circumstances are not one that makes it easy for him to tell others not to be anxious. Uh, Paul really has every reason to be anxious. Anxious about his past, anxious about his current circumstances as he's writing this in prison, anxious about what he knows could possibly be coming. He has every reason to be anxious, yet he writes this. Philippians 4, verse 4, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, we've looked at this and we've said, as I'm saying this morning, peace is hard. This inner peace, we talked about how often the biggest battle we have is in our own head. We battle with ourselves. Um, we have a lack of inner peace at times. Peace with family. There's brokenness in your family, whether it's your immediate family or extended family. Friends, we could see the, the peace in St. Louis. Too many of our babies are being killed here in St. Louis. 
our country, our world, right? world peace, we talk about that. There, there seems to be a lack of peace, but no lack in the desire of finding peace. And so I, I don't know how many of you would say that you don't want peace or you don't want more peace in your lives. Even if you're here today and you would say, look, I don't know what I believe about God. I don't know if I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, I just know that I'm not at peace. I remember hearing a story about a guy who was afraid of flying, and he was in an airport, and they happened to have these insurance kiosks, and he finds a kiosk, and his fear of flying led him to think about his own life and his family, and so he purchased um, some life insurance right there at a kiosk in an airport. He felt at peace, and so he goes and eats some Chinese food, and he opens his fortune cookie, and it says, your recent investment will pay big dividends, right? <laughs> Right? There's this temporary peace, but it's like, man, in the next moment, right, there's this anxiety that comes. It seems like peace can be fleeting. Right? You have moments of peace. I'm not saying that you don't, but it feels like you get a hold of it and then something else comes your way, something else unexpected or unwanted. It just doesn't seem to last long. And this is why I've been anxious about this week, because I don't have easy answers. Um, I don't have easy answers to why difficult things happen. I just don't. I don't have simple answers um, that will help you necessarily in the moment of despair and grief and loss, loss of a person, loss of a job, difficulty getting what you want and what you feel like you desire, whether it's marriage or a relationship or a baby, right? There's that anxiety, financial pressure, stress in marriage, a broken relationship with a kid where you just want to be reconnected or a parent, the violence in our community, right? In the midst of that, I don't want, I don't want to just give easy answers, right? Because your anxiety, your worry, whatever is going on in your heart and in your life is real. We talked about that last week. Your reality is your reality. Even though no one else around you may know it, you may not speak those words, which I'm going to encourage you that's one of the things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you today is to begin to speak. But, but sometimes your reality is not the reality of those around you. And here's why I think we long for peace but often can't have it. In the beginning, we believe that God is the creator of all things. I'm not sure how that works. I'm not sure what that looked like. All I know is I believe God spoke things into existence. He created things, right? And we, we read that he would separate the the dirt and the water. He puts the stars and the moons and the planets in their places. He, he creates animals and he creates life. And then Genesis 1.31 says this, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. I think that's what we long for. We, we long to be in a place where everything is very good. That's how God has created us. That was God's initial creation is he steps back and he kind of applauds himself and is like, that's good. There is no brokenness, there is no pain, there is no hurt, right? And, and so we see that in the beginning. And then if you know anything about the scriptures or you know anything about what God has done or is doing, we see in the end, the same thing is said about heaven, right? That there's no pain, there's no hurt. Right? And so, but we're living in the in-between. 
right? We know what God has created and we know what God has made for the afterlife, but, but we're not there. And so it's in the midst of all of that, we, we live real lives and we experience pain and we experience hurt because of this brokenness that happened, this free will that we get to choose. The people around us get to choose. And so there's hurt and there's pain that we all experience. And so we're all longing for this Genesis 1:31 that, that everything would be good. And when we don't experience it, that's where anxiety creeps in. That's where worry creeps in. That's where fear creeps in. That's where the what ifs show up. And it's in the midst of that that we don't always know what to do. And you would probably say that you're not experiencing peace. So there's two things I want to highlight as we talk about peace. There's kind of two different kinds of peace that, that we're, we're going to look at. The, the peace with God and the peace of God. The peace with God and the peace of God. Uh, Romans 5, again, Paul writes this letter to a church in Rome, and this is what he says. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, this justified through faith means guiltless. It means made innocent because we've put our faith in Jesus. This is solely dependent and determined by what God has done, not you. Right? This means that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you were, that the grace is available to you, that while you were still sinners, that while you were still far away, Christ died for you. It's the no matter whatness of God, that God's love is always available to us. And when we've received that, when we've believed that, we can be secure in that. That we don't have to wonder if we're at peace with God. That we see here that God determines and says that you experience peace with God because of the grace of God. It's what he did on our behalf. So that grace, that is certain. The peace we experience from that is certain. So there's no wondering or questioning. Do you believe? Do you believe in the goodness of God? Do you believe in the grace of God? Do you believe that the gift is given to us because of what Jesus has done? Have you accepted that into your life? Then you have peace with God. And that's true. But that's where you get to choose to believe. So if you say, look, I don't know if I'm at peace with God. I've been with people who are kind of at the end of their lives, and they've made statements like, I've made peace with God. And what they're saying is, everything they've done in their lives, they now feel at peace because they've 
believed in God. They believed in the forgiveness of God. They believed that God has prepared a place for them. So they're at peace with God. And we can be certain about that. You can have this assurance. Hebrews 10, through 23 says this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. See, this is what is important as you think about being at peace with God. It is about his faithfulness, not yours. His faithfulness is not determined by your faithfulness. His goodness is not determined by your goodness. If that was the case, it would be about us. It would be about us earning something. And this is a free gift, not something that we earn. And so do you know that peace? Do you know the peace that you can experience with God? But, but this says the peace of God. This is different. In there he says, the Lord is near. We looked at that week one, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what your worry or your anxiety is, no matter what news you have received, the Lord is near. This is where I feel like Paul has the ability to say to be anxious about nothing. Because he believes so strongly as he finds himself in a prison cell that the Lord is with him. And so he has learned, he has learned what it means not to be anxious because he fully believes that the Lord is near to him. And so that's what tells us, he tells us then, when you worry, when you're anxious, the response is to pray. The warning that we received when our heart rate elevates, when we have a hard time catching our breath, when we're overwhelmed, when we have that thing in our mind and we lay down at night and we can't get it out of our head, maybe that's a warning or a sign that, that maybe that's a moment where we need to take that and begin to give that to God. And it might be over and over. I don't think this is a one-time thing, that you become anxious or worried and you give it to God. It, it might be a continual process for you. But, but you begin to starve your worry and you feed your faith. You starve your worry, and the way you starve that is you pray. And I, I encouraged you last week that you go through the ACTS prayer, A-C-T-S, this um, adoration for God, this confession of your need for God, thanking God for what he's done, and then this supplication, the S, as you begin to ask, what is it that you need from him? So you starve your worry and you feed your faith. And then Paul says, somehow when you begin to do that, somehow when you become worried and anxious and your response, and the hope is you become quicker and quicker at that, when your response is to pray, Paul says there's this peace of God, a peace of God that transcends all understanding, that doesn't make sense sometimes, that begins to guard our hearts and it guards our mind. Now, here's the, the thing that makes sense to me, and I want to give you just a, a visual. i got a couple of visuals I want to give you today. The certainty of the peace with God is a rock, right, that you can hold on to right? I can let go of it if I choose to, but, but the peace of God is something I can hold on to that's not slipping through my fingers. But as I think about peace of God, it feels like trying to grab hold of water, right? Have you experienced that? 
that you try and hold on to this peace, but it seems to slip through your fingers. The, the peace with God, I am secure and certain and believe, but things come up and I have felt at peace and then I hear other news or someone calls me or it comes back to my attention. And so we are constantly trying to grab hold of this peace. And I think that's what makes this difficult. You thought you were at peace with that person. And then you get a text or a phone call or a situation comes back up and you continually try and grasp and hold on to the peace of God, but it seems to be fleeting, right? You, you hold tightly to peace with God, but the peace of God doesn't seem so certain. Does Paul really believe that we can have the peace of God? And if so, how? How can we do that? Here's the, the, the visual. A pendulum doesn't ever settle in the middle. And so as we think about this, this is the uncertainties of the situation, the, the middle, right? And on one end of the pendulum is trying not to worry. Have you ever tried not to worry and then you just worry more because you're trying not to worry? And so you have trying not to worry. And then on the other end, you have panicking, right? And as a pendulum swings, you just go back and forth. Try not to worry, panic. Try not to worry, panic. Try not to worry. And what happens is we don't want to live here. Right? We, don't, we don't want to stay in the uncertainty of what's next. And so we would rather worry or panic. We'd rather worry or panic because we feel like we're doing something about what's causing us to worry or be anxious, right? And I think what, what Paul might be trying to say is it's okay to live here. It's, it's okay to live in the uncertainty because the Lord is near. He's un, unwavering. Even though we are, he is unwavering. His presence is with us in the uncertainty. And so we have to somehow, somehow stop the pendulum from worry and panic, worry and panic. And how do we do that? How, how do we get to a place where that isn't the story of our life. And, and here's where my anxiety slips in often. And here's another reason I've been anxious this week. I have probably even made this statement to you. Maybe you've uh, seen this before. There's a statement called, or it, it goes, no God, no peace. Like if you know God, you can no peace. And that is a true statement, right? We, we can have this peace with God when we know God and we know peace. And then, it's, then it changes, and it's, the spelling changes to know God and know peace. But here's the hard part sometimes. I know God, but there's times I don't know peace. Right? And so then what often happens is this guilt begins to slip in, doesn't it? Am I not at peace because I haven't prayed enough? Am I not at peace because I didn't read my Bible last night? Am I not at peace because God is upset with me, right? That there's this pressure then that comes on us, and, and we feel like the reason that we're not experiencing God is because we haven't done something. And, and let me just say, look, I'm, I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth, right? Because the, the no God piece is the prayer, right? There is this thing that we can do, and that is prayer. But, but I just want to be honest. You can pray and still feel anxious. You can pray and, and still have those thoughts. 
You can seek God, but still, like grabbing water, feel like peace is slipping through your fingertips. And so we put that pressure on ourselves. And so in the midst of this broken world that we don't sense peace, when you don't know what to do, if there's nothing you can do, you've prayed, yet nothing seems to change, they won't change. You've experienced great loss and can't even begin to think about peace. Paul says it's possible. And the peace I believe Paul is talking about here is not determined by our circumstances, but by God's promise to us. The peace or sense of security, harmony, does not mean it happens in a vacuum and is void of difficulties. Paul actually says it's a peace that doesn't make sense, one that is difficult to fully perceive or understand. See, I think the peace that Paul is after ultimately is not the absence of trouble at all, but the presence and promises of God. I don't think that the only way we can have peace in our life is if just everything is going well. There has to be a way we can experience peace even when things aren't. And I believe his presence isn't determined by your perception or your position. What I mean by that is, as uh, Greg stated, you can question, God, where are you? I don't feel you. And that is your reality, but that does not mean that God is not near to you. Right? Even when you question and wonder and ask, God, have you forgotten me? God is near. Your feelings does not determine his perceptions. And so Paul says, when you're able to seek God in the midst of your anxious thoughts, he begins to give us a peace that guards our hearts and our minds. And then through prayer, God begins to protect us. And here, we're going to get to what Paul says after verse 7. But here's where I think prayer leads to action. Prayer often stays in our head. Prayer often stays in our heart. But I think prayer should also lead us to action. So I said week one, I said week two, and I'll say again today, part of you praying may be leading you to talk to someone. Part of you praying may be God nudging you and encouraging you to seek a therapist or a counselor. It's the wise thing to do. And so prayer would be, God, I don't know what to do. God, would you help me? And, and God might be saying, I've given you people too. I've given people to you to help you, to walk alongside of you. And so for some of us, we're staying here and we need to get into action. We may need to see a doctor. We may need to seek help. And then part of that might be just telling someone the thoughts that are in your head. That could be about a lot of different things. There's things that are in your mind, in your heart, that you've never spoken. You're afraid of how someone might receive it or what someone might think. You're afraid of being honest about how you're doing. And can I just encourage you? Would you just say what's in your mind? Would you just say what you're thinking to someone? And if you're that someone that receives that, if you're the person who hears someone share that, don't think you have to fix them. 
Don't feel like you have to fix the situation. Listen, hug, be present, pray, encourage them to seek more help, text them the next day, text them the next night. You don't have to fix them. Tell them how brave and courageous it is that they have spoken what they're thinking. Right? And so maybe today you're the one who has something in their mind, you have something in your head, and you've been struggling. Would you just speak it to someone? You can speak it to me. We have other people here who would be there for you. Just don't let it stay in your head. And so as we pray and we seek peace, this is what Paul says for advice. Verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Things that are true, that God is good, God is good and you are loved. That God is near and cares for you. The things that are pure or lovely, things that are excellent and praiseworthy, think about those things. The original language that would have been used is to dwell on them. Dwell on those things. This word dwell means to live there. A dwelling, right? To take up residence in that place. Because here's what I know to be true. You dwell on things. You dwell on things. I dwell on things. It is very easy for something to slip into my mind or my heart, and it just settles there. And that's what I dwell on. And I'll continue to dwell on it until something changes. Something intersects it, and something happens. Uh, We started our Wee Soccer League through Empower, our nonprofit, and through Trinity here. And and it started yesterday. We had 39 little three- and four-year-olds uh, playing soccer, and here's a, a picture of, of some of them. Yeah, isn't, yeah. If you want to just see some cute kids run around Saturday mornings at 930, uh, it's awesome. Uh, about halfway through, they were kind of getting done, right? And I'm like, man, we, we still have a while. And so I, I made the mistake of telling them that at the end of it, they got popsicles, right? <laughs> it was one of those, if you can just hold on another 20 minutes, I'm going to have popsicles, And so for 20 minutes, 864 times I heard, is it time for popsicles? Is it time for popsicles, right? They they really didn't care so much about soccer at that point. They they were just dwelling on what is next, right? They were dwelling on what they heard, what was going to happen. You dwell on the possibility of what could happen. You dwell on it. You can't think of anything else, even in good times. In good moments, at work, as you go to bed, you dwell on those things. And something has to change. You have to begin to take up residence in a different place. Your residence has to move from anxiety and worry to the promises of God. And Paul says when you begin to do that, something happens. There's uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 7 in the message. There's a guy named Eugene Peterson who took the, the scriptures and rewrote them in a street language. Uh, this is one of my favorite uh, paraphrases that Eugene Peterson did. It says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. 
Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. In the next. It's not there, but it says there's something that happens when the peace of God replaces worry at the center of your heart. Right? Here, here, here's what happens, and I, and I know it to be true. Worry, anxiety takes up residence at the center of your heart and the center of your life. And everything else is impacted by it. And Paul, and in the paraphrase of Eugene Peterson, he says something happens when worry maybe doesn't go away or the anxious thoughts don't go away, but they just move from the center. That Christ takes up residence. He dwells in our hearts and the thoughts of God and the promises of God begin to dwell in our minds. When that happens, worry is moved to the outside. It may not be completely gone. The anxious thoughts may creep back in. But, but what are you dwelling on? And so I, I, I for myself, and I know some of you as, as well, have conversations with you. We, we talk about this. How, how do I just not be consumed by those thoughts? That's all I can think about. That's all that's on my mind. One, speak it. Tell someone. Get it out. Let someone else pray for you. But two, you just begin to take those thoughts captive and you begin to speak the promises of God. And, and maybe you don't know what those promises are. Maybe you all, all you say in these moments as you continue to learn is, I know you're near to me. That's a promise of God. God, I know you're near. Dwell on, on that. Dwell on the goodness of God. Dwell on the forgiveness and grace of God. Dwell on his faithfulness. You begin to dwell on those things and you push the other things away. So Paul says, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious. When you are anxious, pray. And then the peace of God that isn't always explainable, guard your hearts and your minds as you begin to dwell on the good things of God and you live in the promises of God. Again, there could be circumstances and situations that are difficult and people that cause us problems, and the feelings of anxiety and worry come. And when they do, can I encourage you not to dwell there? Don't live there. Move. Take up residence somewhere else. Find hope somewhere else. You do this minute by minute, maybe hour by hour, maybe you extend to days or weeks or months, but as it comes, you dwell somewhere else. Three questions I want to ask as Greg comes up to lead us in our last song. As you begin to process through this, here are a few questions I want you to begin to ask yourself. This anxiety is this battle. God does not, I promise you, God does not want you to be anxious or without peace. I believe that to be 100% true. The enemy of God loves for you to be anxious loves for you to question, has God really forgiven you? Could God really love you? Is God really faithful to you? So there's this battle, right? So three, three questions as we fight this battle. What am I allowing the enemy to fill my head with? 
What am I dwelling on that is not from God? Two, what story am I telling myself? Uh, Brene Brown, who I talk a lot about, uh, she talks about the power of this, of, of stating the story that you're telling yourself. If you're married, just vulnerable here, uh, when Heather and I have any sort of tension or rub or fight or we get our feelings hurt, often it comes because we're telling a story that isn't true, right? And so our new practice is the story I'm telling myself is. So this is marriage, but this could be kids, this could be coworkers, this could be family. And so I, just, I will just stay, and maybe it's me more than her. I just have to tell her, here's the story I'm telling myself. I know it's not true, but I just need to let you know, this is the story I'm telling myself. So the worry, the anxiety, the what ifs, you're telling yourself a story. What story are you telling yourself, and is it true? And then question three, what can I control? What can I control? If it's something you're worried about because you need to have a conversation, you need to take some steps, you're not willing to to move in a certain direction, then do it. What can you control, act, and what do I need to let go of? What do I need to see in my life that is out of control and I need to begin to give that to God? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for these moments where we get to be honest and vulnerable with you. I I do it from up front, God, but I know as my friends sit in their seats that they too are hearing from you, they're talking to you, they're processing through things. And so, Lord, I'm thankful that you are a God who are near to, is near to us. You have not created us and abandoned us, that you are with us. You are with us in our darkest moments. You're with us when things creep in, the thoughts in our head, you are with us. God, would you help us to believe that to be true today? And then, God, would you give us a peace? For my friends who uh, may be here and would say they don't know if they're at peace with you, I pray that today would be a day they could believe that, to believe in forgiveness and grace and to know that they are deeply loved. God, would you help them to, to hold tightly to that certainty? And then, Lord, in the moments where peace seems to be fleeting, would you help us not to dwell in our thoughts that are not good? Would you help us to not dwell in anxiety or worry, but would you help us to dwell in a place of hope and faithfulness to you? God, would you help us to to move residence? God, we want peace, we long for peace, and I pray, Lord, you'd help us to experience that unexplainable peace that only comes from you. God, would you continue to help us as we journey through this, as we battle against the enemy, God? Would you help us to believe that you are good and you are near? I pray in Jesus' name.